Welcome to the Northern Outcast Outdoors Podcast. The Outcast. Powered by ANF Custom Calls. Veteran Innovative Products. Yeah, that's cool. Your show, run it. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to episode three. We got the Northern Outcast Outdoors Podcast, The Outcast. And we have a special guest on today for you from Texas, the great state of Texas. Everything's big in Texas. That's right. And Not this, as big as my ego, though. <laughs> this is a very good friend of mine. We literally were just sitting here before another podcast that we were going to record. And Braden looked over at me like, who can we get on right now? I said, I know who we can get on. <laughs> I'll text them. And the next text back was send it, and we brought we made the call to Matt Futere, and we got him on the, on the other line. The uh, veteran innovative products. What's going on, Matt? Hey, gents! It's always fun to sit on a Saturday and chat broadheads and bow hunting and whatever else kind of trouble y'all are up to. It's always <laughs> trouble up here, baby. <laughs> trouble is a good way to define what we have going on right now. Mischief, <laughs> mischief. <laughs> So, it's been a little bit. I was just going through. I um, I apologize. I haven't texted you in about a month or so. Um, I know we well, had a I, phone call or so, though, between then. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, we're really busy with the business. I mean, you know, we have a professional marketing team now that we've hired last year, and they're really doing well. They keep us busy with, you know, they're supposed to work for me, but they seem to keep me really busy <laughs> with barking orders and making me do stuff, and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I've noticed the uptick in your marketing. I, I love it. I'm seeing you guys everywhere, and uh, there's a lot more content to go ahead and share on my end, and I'm I'm really looking forward to getting you guys out there and hoping to help out, just trying to do my part as much as we can. Yeah, hey, we are a small family business that is grassroots grown, and that those roots are getting deep, so we really appreciate everybody at every level that helps. It's just Really nice that for the first time in our entire broadhead career, which spans back to the aerodynamic solution business days, we've never had a professional marketing company specific for this industry. And the, the rubline marketing folks are just amazing. They're, they're doing really good. So we've got global reach. I mean, we just sent an order together to send to Dubai of all places. How did, who wow. hunts in Dubai, right? <laughs> That's but incredible. We, yeah, VIP is global. We got Europeans that are after us. Um, Australia, Africa, New Zealand. It's it's exciting to experience the growth month to month, and we're gearing up for it. I mean, we we're putting together a, a big marketing budget for 2021 because, as you guys are aware, we've got a couple new broadheads we're coming out with 2021. Oh yeah, it's very exciting. I, I think yeah. we're kind of entering a second gilded age of archery hunting i think with just joe rogan and like all those guys kind of pumping it up i think it's a good time to be in the archery business right now honestly yeah the the pandemic really allowed people to go you know what it's okay i'm not going to work i'm going to the woods hell yeah and of course people bought gear to go and do all that so we were busy all, we never stopped. I mean, I never shut the business down. We didn't listen. I'm not never letting some government official tell me how I'm going to run my business. Amen. My and um, <laughs> I ended up getting COVID. You know, I'm I'm health challenged, battling this cancer, and um, so my immune system was weak anyway. But it knocked me for about two two and a half months. But I'm still kicking. I'm still here. Just keep kicking its ass. Long hard fight. Yeah. Well, so you yeah, said you keep active. I, that's that's an important part. I think that people don't realize is as long as you keep going, you'll keep going. The mental part right. of it. Oh yeah, it's huge. Yeah. It's absolutely huge. Not to get too deep yeah. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> yeah, let's talk yeah. broadheads. <laughs> yeah. Well, the benefit of having COVID, being really sick and can't go anywhere, or cancer because of problems related to that, where I can't go anywhere, it pretty well does what the vast majority of the bow hunting industry wants me to do is stay at my desk and keep engineering <laughs> more broadheads. And I've done that. I, I, you know, turn a negative into a positive. And so yeah, I've already the applied. Yeah. The new guillotine is coming out. We're because of the delays of the, the, the COVID and the health induced stuff. I'm not finished packaged broadheads ready to hang on shelves in pro shops, but we're going to be taking orders for the guillotine, you know, as we can, produce them 
and deliver them. Yeah, so you we'll let me know the, when that pre-order comes up. You let me know, and I'll I'll be on that list for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just um, well, after we get done with this podcast stuff next week, sometime, just give me a call. We got yeah. a list. I've already got I got some folks up in Wisconsin and, and other states that are already placed their orders, and we're producing for that. So awesome. it'll be small, small volume this year, and then big next year. But then, then I'm working on a three blade veteran. I got a lot of people from day one after that we released the two blade to please produce a three blade veteran. And, um, uh, that, that's been a challenge uh, engineering wise. It's been yeah. a very difficult challenge, but we got it. Uh, yeah. and now we're just in the refinement stages. And it's funny that the machinists that work for me and I have an engineer to work for me. Every one of them is locked. That that is my Mona Lisa of broadheads, if you will. You know? <laughs> they they can't believe what I did to to create that thing, and um, I, I can't believe to, it. I can't believe you're going to come up with anything better than that four blade combat veteran. I just can't. I, I know that. Actually, I've improved. I'm on the next production run. I'm you know you guys won't notice it, but I'm constantly trying to improve every aspect of the broadheads. I've even completely re-engineered the two-blade veteran, but I, that's farther down my to-do list than the three-blade. Yeah. So, and then I have one more broaded after the three-blade that I'll be immediately working on once we get the refinement done and the field testing you know, has me satisfied. So let's take you back a little bit. So for everyone that's listening and doesn't know, Matt is obviously the owner of Veteran Innovative Products, as we mentioned, but... You know, you're like the original gobbler guillotine guy. You've gone and created quite a few broadheads in your day. If you want to touch just like really briefly on kind of where VIP started and a couple of the previous designs that led you yeah. to where you're at now. Okay, yeah. 17, 18 years ago, I saw a need for improving recovery rates of turkeys right you hit them it's hard to get them so i i came out with the gobbler guillotine never intending to open a business and manufacture and sell them but the word got out and the pressure built to where i was like okay i'll do it even though i own a consultant company and i only work three four five months out of the year and and i i went hunting and fishing that's my life it was a good life but the guillotine was so successful that other people said, hey, you, you need to make a big game animal brought in. And so I came out with the Atom, the razor wire Atom. That was my very first compressible cutting wick or momentum management brought in design. And it blew people away. I mean, it was very successful globally to the point where China knocked us off and all my sales went away because I can't make broadheads and sell a dozen of them for three dollars and 95 cents you know? <laughs> right with the cheapest most bullshit blades on them that yeah. one time oh, use yeah. yeah so but then people were like man really like your razor technology however we want scalpel sharp razor blades i'm like okay so i came out with a prototype called the radiant and it had a, a leaf spring instead of a compression spring in it and man, it slayed the elk and mule deer and bear. And I mean, it was just people liked it. I didn't like it though, because it wasn't as tough as I wanted it. The blade would break. When we went to high volume on the leaf springs, they weren't nearly as reliable as my prototypes. And I just pulled it off the market. I said, no, I can do better. I'm not selling these things. And then kind of life got in the way a little bit. I mean, we kept selling the, the Adam and the guillotine and some radians, but. I focused on my consultant business more than anything. And, and that ended up putting me in Afghanistan for that year. And when I got back from that, I'm like, I'm not consulting anymore. I want to do what I want to do, which is get, get my next generation broadheads done. Cause I worked on the engineering aspects of them while I was in Afghanistan. So I came, came back kind of fired up, fired up my lathe and started making prototypes. And I don't know if y'all have ever tried to make broadhead blades yourself but man i burnt no. and cut my, i burnt and cut my fingers until they were nubs you know but uh, i got the veteran done and and then that came out and and we had tremendous success with it you know there's some detractors to the design as it stands well of course i don't shy away from that but that's why we have a foundation of the benefits of the cut on contact fixed blade which is one and a quarter inch cut always so if you don't 
hit the animal in the vitals, that's the only reason that you didn't kill that animal. And that would be the same with any broadhead you had on the end of the arrow, not just ours. But I'm always looking to improve. And again, when I make things, other people start putting demands on me. Well, why don't you make a three blade or why don't you make a four blade? And so I'd been working on the four blade as well and figured I could get that one done first. And I think you all have experienced the combat veteran now. Oh, yeah. And it's it's really it's not flawless, but it's it's the closest to flawless performance of any broadhead in the world from what we're independently and repeatedly told. So and then. So we've had, you know, nearly 18 years in the industry, probably 14 or 15 of that was just as a hobby business. I didn't try to do it full time, make a living or anything. We just broke even, you know, maybe made enough money to go on a hunt to Wyoming or Canada or something and just have fun. Keep basically it funded my R&D, right? I mean, that's what it's all about, especially if you said, you know, this was what you came home to, you know, hungry to do. I mean, that's, you know, what what more could you honestly ask for someone that tinkers like that? I mean, I don't yeah. think people understand, like, if you can break even with a hobby, you're an arm and a leg above, like, a lot of people that are, like, trying to do it full time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to do. But, um, you know, people don't understand how much time, money, and effort it costs to to do a lethality study, right? That's the backbone of my education with respect to creating broadheads or or I should say that is a key foundational thing and to kill you know most people they look at killing man I killed 10 deer this year and three hogs and they think man that's a whole lot of bow hunting experience no that's a slow week for us (laughs) (laughs) so I mean we killed thousands of hogs predominantly hogs because we can hunt them year round but when deer season opens up we we modeled the army base in the East Coast that did a lethality study of 20 yards and less for white-tailed deer, right? All broadheads, fixed blades, mechanicals, traditional, whatever, didn't matter. 20 yards and less broadside or, you know, let it go. Their recovery rates were defined. This is the reality of you launch an arrow at an animal, at a deer, and here is how many out of every hundred you're going to recover. And so I brought my high-tech background to bear in setting up my study, pretty much modeled after theirs, same same distance, I wanted apples to apples, and then I applied, you know, I don't know, I know Borneal is aware of it, but and I was one of the world's leading experts on particle accelerators, you know, I got a nuclear power, advanced electronics background, and so I just applied all this wonderful high-tech redneck mentality to try to... <laughs> In, you know, improve recovery rates. Nobody talks about it until I started talking about it, right? I mean, isn't that the goal of a broadhead engineer is to make a better broadhead? And I, I realized 18 years ago that none of these broadhead companies are interested in anything but putting a new product on the market that doesn't interfere with somebody else's patent. Some people would. They didn't care about interfering with other people's patents just because they were that greedy, wanted to make profit where I wanted to do better. I, I wanted my customers to launch an arrow and know that on the end of that arrow, then an engineered effort to, to give you the best opportunity to put your hands on fur after you've launched your arrow. And we've done it. I mean, right now, I was just asked during this last week of pig hunting with our marketing team, you know, what is it about recovery rates? And, and so I pull my phone out and I say, well, right now, my seven-year rolling average for veteran recovery rates, which is not just 20 yards and less, but everybody's reports from around the world on every animal species you can imagine, we're at 94.5% recovery rate on the two-blade veteran. That's over a, well, this is the eighth season now. With the combat veteran, I've got two seasons with that, and we're still at a 97.5% recovery rate. The closest cherry-picked segment of mechanicals, all the other mechanicals, in any lethality study was 90%. That is a cherry-picked small number of iterations. But if you average the whole year out, you they've never been more than 87% or 87 out of 100 animals. Fixed blades are always three, four, five animals less than the mechanicals. And it does not matter if you add weight with your single double and all the other BS that you're reading about. It, they've never, ever talked about recovery rates with any sort of intellectual honesty. And so 
I keep striving to get that perfect broadhead and try to get that 100 out of 100 animals hit or recovered. But I, the human element is the only thing I can't engineer out. That's that's where we're at with that. But, I mean, I think it speaks volumes that you even, you know, keep this data, I mean, over eight years or even longer with your other stuff, if you, you know, have that data to actually, like, go back and say, hey, look, you know, here are actual facts, you know, from people in the field. I mean, I think that speaks volumes for your brand in general, let alone, yeah, you know, yeah. it's I the most impressive do, part. I don't do the, I don't do the lethality study with the mathematics and all of the depth of you know, the, the, the realities of the three different mechanisms of breaching a bone, right? I, I don't do all that anymore. I, I, I stopped doing that probably six, seven years ago. I just keep a general consensus. But here's the thing. It's like, you know, if you, see, if you tag my name on social media, Facebook, and, and you'll see these heavy momentum, you know, Ashby guys, and they, they have their beliefs, and, and that's fine. And I think I really respect Ashby because basically reading his stuff kind of gave me a foundation to build from, right? I, I got a lot of respect for what he's done. But if, if you aren't willing to have your data be scrutinized, you know, see opportunities for improvement, you, you know, you're, there's a lot of folks on, on social media that aren't held personally responsible for their comments, their actions, whatever. I stand before God and everybody and go, hey, I'm telling you this is what my experience is over 20 years of legality study, and uh, there's room for improvement in broadheads. And I've walked the walk, and I've delivered the products, and I'm still working on improving. The, the difference with me is I've had these, these Ashby groups of individuals that believe they're experts on broadheads and all things killing, they're the ones, not Peter, but they're the ones that have forced me to legal action, right? They forced me to defend what I said legally. And so with independent legal review, standing before a board of qualified people that were going to judge the truths of what I said or the not truths, right? Uh, according to the Ashby people, what I say isn't possible. Then I was, you know, Quick history was I, I was told to do my presentation first, which took about an hour, hour and a half. And, and I had all my data and forensics and photographs and I even used scanning electron microscopes and photographs to show capillary level cutting and all this high tech stuff. And the time I got done, the entire Ashby mob that was in there gloating over me, you know, can't wait to tear me down and take me wrong. They didn't have balls enough to stand up and rebut a single word or sentence that I said in that And they walked out without even saying a word. And so I've, I've run the gauntlet in this industry with all these experts and, and I'm still standing. You know, whether I'm successful in business or not, I don't really care. I don't need the money, but I know in my heart, I did the best I could for in ethical consideration of the animals we're hunting. And for the betterment of the sport of bow hunting. I don't like to call it a sport, but the lifestyle choice that we all make pursue animals with bow and arrow versus a gun or something. So that's kind of my foundation. Oh, absolutely. And I think the social media thing about not being held personally or accountable, accountable is a huge problem today. Just the people, oh, you know, are a lot, lot tougher when they're, you know, behind their phone saying what they are, you know, or. 20 years oh. ago, you would just get punched in the mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. I, I call them the keyboard cowboys as far as all the, the Ashby crowd. I just call them a bunch of Ashby parrots because they're really good at repeating what other people have done. Yeah. And, and, and it's like I said, but, you know, I've, I have been called and asked to be involved as an expert. I hate that word expert, but as a legitimate, knowledgeable person on the subject of lethality, all things brought in. Critters in multiple countries around the world, not just U.S. And so I, I'm humbled that these foreigners respect the work I've done and, and allow me to participate in shaping global bowhunt. I'm, I'm not like Ashby, though. I'll get on a good podcast, and it's like my marketing team found out this last week. I do not like getting in front of a camera. I never publish my papers to anybody except under legal review. I don't feel the desire to where I want to do that. I figure if my broadheads are out in public, let them speak to themselves. So that's kind of the litmus test of applying all my knowledge. 
as far as your outfit right now, do you have like your own manufacturing like facility or is this still kind yeah. of an in-house thing or like what, what is yeah. the scale of your operation right now? A growing, uh, growing. We geared up. We have inventory on hand now. Like, man, it, I wouldn't have sold this much inventory in five years before. Now we run production year round. We never did the packaging for 125 grain or the combat veteran 175 grain. I don't have packaging for that. I just figured, ah, I don't know what the volume's going to be. And, and this year we're making the decision that we're going to create specific packaging for every weight model that we have. Um, as you know, there's two other models coming out this year. So we're going to have a very extensive portfolio. And we're running manufacturing year-round to make sure that we have plenty of product to support yeah. whatever level calls or references that you want to put on our page. That's incredible. Yeah, and you're 100% yeah, veteran-owned, veteran-made, American-made, uh, 100%. Through through. Yeah, yeah. I, I refuse to play the games with all these other companies. Even if they say, oh, we're American-made. Well, no, you're not, because i got the damn Chinese factories calling me every week trying to get, look, look, we make this, this, and this. And, and it's my competitors' pieces and parts, and yet they're over here in the public saying they're made in America. No, they're not. They're made in China. They're maybe packaged in America to get around the laws. But right. I don't. I don't agree with that. But we have 100 percent of everything we do is made right in America. We have a machine shop that's three miles from our house, and um, we employ Americans. You know, our blades, our blades are made in Pennsylvania, family company. PA. <laughs> no woohoo PA, no, not our governor. Not our governor. Everything we, but our governor. We have moment. our we have some words, and we had some words about our governor last time. Matt I and got I talked. some words. Hey, I got uh, some words to the governor too because I'm the wrong me. person to be doing that in front of right now because <laughs> you will send me zero to sixty. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of the governor either because he nearly shut my business down because of him shutting your state down. Yeah, so yeah, I'm a, I'm right there with that. The damn dictators. Piss me off. He's not the only one. Michigan is the same way. Como and New York. It's it's a shame what people that are supposed to be public servants are doing to our country and people that you know actually yeah. contribute. Dude, I'm a combat veteran. I have I took an oath, right? Enemies, foreign and domestic. And boy, is that word domestic hmm. rising to the top. There you is. Got a bunch of got a bunch of that federal government right now and state governments that just. Need an ass whooping. <laughs> yeah, plain and simple. Just makes you sick, man. Makes you sick yeah. to see what they're doing and what they can get away with. And it seems like scotch free. It's like, man, how, how, how have we become this nation and how have we become what we are today? Like, I love your posts on Facebook, Matt. I follow you on there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. It, it's great. You're great on there. I, I, everything you put on there, I just laugh my ass off. And my know, wife. Cindy, after New Year's, she's like, that's it. You're a business owner. You can't be doing all this political posting stuff. I lasted about a week, and then I jumped on there, and I hammered Biden, that corrupt son of a gun. And, and, and then at the end of it, I wrote on there, my wife asked me for New Year's resolution not do this anymore. How am I doing, guys? <laughs> I think if you made it a week, you probably surpassed a lot of other New Year's resolutions out there. So I think you're doing okay. Yeah, I, I I detest Facebook and social media. And if I didn't own this business, I would never be on it again. I have so much more positive stuff to do in my life than be on social media. But it's a necessary evil of owning a broaded business. And yeah. um, I do. I'm very thankful that I have a professional marketing team that is just they're just amazing group of people that really just work hard for us every day. And they've taken over the business side of all my social media. And, you know, I still get on and answer questions that people send me. I'll never not do that. But, uh, mm -hmm. Yep. And they're legit. I've heard of them uh, through other podcasts and stuff. And they, they are, I mean, you, you're dealing with probably one of the best in the business. So I'm, yeah, I they, was very happy to hear that, that you guys got connected. Yeah. We tried a different company two years ago and you talked about, Dumping probably, I don't even want to tell you how much money. What a waste of money it was and time. And, you know, there's just unscrupulous people in the world. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we extracted ourselves from that contract really quick. 
and then being snake bit, you don't want to put your hand back down that hole, right? But you have to in business. You, you, you have to have professional marketing support. And so did our due diligence and rub line name kept coming to the top. And it's like, well, let's just go for the best. Yep. We make the, okay. Uh, you know, we feel that we make the best products in the world for our broad edge of concern. And we want the best marketing to capitalize on that. So right on, right on. So what do you want to dive into, man? What do you want to talk about the most? Do you want to talk a, a little mm. bit more in, in detail on what you can and what you can't touch on some of your products? Yeah, new well, line? we're coming out with a new guillotine this year. There'll be limited quantities available because it is a, a difficult. We missed the window of timing on solidifying our geometry on our guillotine blade, our new guillotine design. And so the tool and die. Uh, we weren't going to make the production, be able to be high volume production, but we can do a limited production runs and get the guillotines out there. The packaging company, they kind of messed up as well. The COVID really kind of interrupted the flow of efficient progress, getting things completed in a normal time frame. Oh, so, for everybody. Yeah. So while the packaging's not done, the, the volume machining or manuf- we can volume machine, but the blades, that's the problem. It's the, it's the blades, the tool and die. It just takes too long. So we're going to limited production, uh, but we'll make them available to customers that want to try the new guillotine. And, um, uh, we're so far, we've had pretty good success launching them. It's, uh, we, we're very confident that the new technology that we've applied to the guillotine far surpasses our original guillotine or any of the copycat companies with their guillotine-like products. Not only can you shoot turkeys in the head and neck with this new guillotine, but you can shoot them in the body. It's going to destroy them. Or we we <laughs> call it the guillotine and everybody immediately thinks of just turkeys. It's good for any bird, right? Pheasants, ducks, geese, cranes, but also small game, all the way up to including coyotes. I mean, if you got a coyote coming in, standing there, shoot him in the throat or shoot him in the body, and he's not going to go very far. <laughs> I know Jeff would be very excited to shoot a squirrel with us. That's our yearly It'll, thing we do with our yeah. buddy. We, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, you haven't seen our YouTube channel, but our good friend Jeff is like the bow master. We go yeah, small I, game hunting, and he brings the bow. <laughs> I used to hunt squirrel with my guillotines, and uh, I'd have to use a flu-flu arrow, of course. Yep. Um but the problem with the guillotine was, man, when they're up there on that branch, the blade would hit the branch before it hit the bird. So it would mm. take a lot of the momentum energy out of it. Yeah, a lot of times you'd still kill the squirrel because the blade would typically bend quickly or break off. And, and you'd get the squirrel most likely. But this new design, it's it's basically momentum management, meaning my blade provides enough resistance. To cut the head off a turkey but if you hit a branch or the ground the blade is able to compress an internal suspension system absorb that impact transfer it to the body and the arrow and allow the blade to fold back out of the way so you can just you know the survivability is off the charts i mean we we've shot in i just got tired of doing it because i'm, I'm weak now i can't shoot my bow very many times but you you can shoot 25, 50, 100 times this broadhead, skip it off the ground, and, and it won't hurt it a bit. That's incredible. Then you just pick yeah. it up and reset the blade just like pushing on the back side of it. It self-centers for aerodynamic, you know, aerodynamic alignment. And just shoot it again right now. I know the, the problem blade. Jeff was running into with the broadheads he was using. It was a four-blade turkey broadhead and they just had like a double allen screw on there and it was just getting mangled after one shot he was shooting actually into a pillow to try to save it but it was just like yeah. getting shredded doing that yeah that was you know that's what i tell people man there's the people are interesting in my experience with broadheads for this nearly 18 years is they never look at or talk about or I should say it's rare there's people out there that look at the benefits and the positivity of what not just me, but other broaded guys are trying to do out there. Instead, they just immediately start destroying every minor little aspect they can find. I I take it with a grain of salt and I take notes. I'm like, you know, you're right. Okay, how can I do better? My original guillotine? Yeah, if you hit the ground, you hit a limb, you're 
busting blades, you're bending it, it's one shot. But I did make it so you can quickly in the field just pop the blade out, put a new one in in seconds. I didn't believe in using little screws and pins to hold the blade in place. No, it's terrible in the field, especially you get a little bit of dirt in there. That thing will strip one try, and then, oh, I, I mean, I saw it happen with the ones that my friend was using, and it's, it's a Yeah, disaster. so this one, if you want to replace a blade on the new guillotine, yeah, you're going to need a, a 50 thousandths Allen wrench to back out the axle, right, because it pivots on an axle. And uh, But that's it. It pops right out, slide new one in, put the set screw back in, and you're you're hunting, and you're back to hunting with a new blade in there easily. We haven't had to replace a blade yet, so it's it's pretty. You guys think you guys are pretty like, incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were. I was hoping that we killed enough pigs on our marketing hunt last week, where, you know, I wanted like a hundred pound pig to step out there, twenty yards or less, and I was going to send that new guillotine right through his chest. And, <laughs> you know, do the, you know, really do some testing with it. But, oh, for sure. What, what were you guys? What was the main? Uh... Main broadhead you guys were using on your hog hunt? Um, Cindy shot her boar with a two blade veteran, and I shot mine with a combat veteran. And then we we let the videographer. He was a young guy, twenty something years old, and he brought a crossbow and he shot the um, combat veteran as well. So see what's cool yeah. about your broadheads too is you know you don't have to have a crossbow model and a compound bow model. I mean, you can literally put your broadhead on any arrow in the business through any bow at any speed. I mean, even the air bow that your one buddy shoots them through at 500 plus feet per second. Those right. It's, it's incredible. And it's just laser pinpoint accuracy every time. Yeah. Well, we've had some people. In fact, I just had a, a buddy of mine that's a very intelligent guy and very smart uh, as a bow shop. And. He did some fletching comparisons and shot our four blade combat better. And we realized, you know, the whole arrow has to work as a unit. And some of the fletchings that are out there for some reason, he got just a little bit of drift. Mm-hmm. And he's shooting 90 and 100 yards though. <laughs> yeah. What, where is that out there for someone to find? Cause I would be interested in, in seeing the results of what he came up with. Yeah. He posted some of the, like, his name is Josh Brown, and he posted uh, yeah. 100 yard shots. His daughter filmed it. She's three. It was cute as hell. <laughs> but yeah, he'll post some of the stuff, but not to the extent like it's some scientific journal ready yeah. type of thing. I didn't I'm know if he had it on. Like, uh... yeah, I'm kind of not interested in doing any of that kind of stuff anymore because even if somebody has some slight variance to accuracy off their bow arrow setup and their form has some influence to it i'm like well just shoot the 125 grain put 25 grains more up front and shift that foc just slightly more and you 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 might cure that problem or step up to the 175 grain end of story right there's just so many variables but uh, overall we have probably the most accurate broadhead i mean i don't know did you see the sci world's first that we were part of yeah yeah yeah, that was pretty exciting to Sam was like, you know, he gave us a heads up. Hey, this is what's in the works. You can't publish it. It's all confidential, top secret. But he came down here to Texas and they actually killed four animals that will be in the record books. And they used no the veteran. Care. Yeah, they used the veteran. But Sam's was the official first in the record books. And he used the veteran on the end of the arrow that he shot from his. Now, his isn't an air bow. He shoots um an actual air rifle oh yeah that's right yes that's right sorry yeah i forget the name of it did he build that what's that did he build that didn't he build that model no he had it built for him okay okay Uh, that's right gosh i forget the name of it but i actually he was down here last year before and we were hunting a high fence place and uh you know my cancer got me so weak i i couldn't pull my damn bow back when critters came in so he said, Hey, I got one of these. Oh, FX. That's the name of the rifle. FX. He, he loaned it to me and I shot a fallow doe with a combat veteran off that thing and she didn't go maybe 40 yards. And oh, it just, it, I mean, I shot the top of her heart out. It's so accurate. I was, I was like, Yeah, I'm not interested in shooting guns. I've been to Afghanistan. <laughs> it's no fun. And, um, but that was pretty fun to shoot an arrow off a gun like that. And it just, 
it just, you know, it's like the animal wasn't even there. It just goes right through. That's incredible. <laughs> Those things are scary. Those things are, like, actually really scary. <laughs> it's, I'm actually, I actually want to buy one now. <laughs> <laughs> scary in a good way, but yeah. scary yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. If you but screw yeah. up with that, you're going to probably, like, lose a limb. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be fun stuff, you know. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I just saw Josh Brown posted some, and he posted those pictures with uh, what was that Buffalo, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He used a two blade veteran, forty two yard shot. Now he's shooting. I think he said a five hundred and twelve grain arrow, so not much more weight than a deer hunter would normally. Yeah, shoot. that's not super heavy. No, and then he shot forty two yards was the first shot. It went in a center, punched a rib going in, center punched a rib going out. And the fletching barely held it up on the offside, uh, but it, but it was a complete pass through. And then, of course, on an animal that size, it ran off, not knowing what's going on. Stopped, turned around, and looked back, and it was broadside at 65 yards. And I don't remember if it was the entrance or the exit, but it blew through one rip going in and out, center punched it, and that was a complete pass through. Uh, it didn't hang up in the animal at all. And that buffalo maybe went 50 yards total or so. I, <laughs> okay. I couldn't even imagine just like the added resistance of just their pelt. All that hair and fur that they have on them compared to like a whitetail or something oh, that yeah. you would typically shoot with a much the, thinner pelt. The thickest skinned animal that we test on is in Africa. And it's, I try to get a pH over there to please put my broadhead in its testing, you know, field testing efforts through a giraffe. And their their skin will reach up to one and a quarter inches thick. A wow. giraffe. That would have been literally one of the last things I would have thought of is like the skin thickness. I, I was insane. waiting. I was waiting for some kind of like a rhinoceros uh, you know, or yeah. something. <laughs> no, no. No. Like a deer you species. Can't, you can't hunt those, obviously. But, yeah. yeah you shouldn't hunt those. People talk about Cape buffaloes, and in our 100-grain veteran, combat veteran, they're all engineered to kill a Cape buffalo, without doubt. Structural integrity is there, even though it's an aluminum body brought in. Uh, but to me, and, and I mean, just think about it. Those giraffes, and they got lions trying to bite them all the damn time and claw into them and bring them down. You better have some thick skin. <laughs> yeah, I've seen lions literally hanging off of the back. With their claws and teeth, and the, the drafts are still just running unfazed. Yeah, it's and impressive. then you talk about the other thing I like about a giraffe is their bones. I mean, their ribs are like baseball bats. I mean, they're thick, okay. they're strong. I never and, knew uh, this about a giraffe. I'm learning all <laughs> kinds of stuff today. Yeah, so I mean, Cape buffalo are tough. Don't get me wrong. They're you know what's the old adage? They call them black death, and when they look at you, they look at you as if you stole their last dollar you know they want it back and they stomp the life out of it but well, the cape buffalo me, horns are like some of the hardest horn isn't it their skull yeah it's right? like the top of their head and their their bones like some of the hardest bone like I mean, prehistoric they, type shit we're talking yeah it's like insane hard yeah i like it when you see the videos of where the lions are trying to get a cape buffalo and then they hook that line and just throw it <laughs> yeah, 13 yeah. feet in the air <laughs> yeah 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 that's pretty impressive they're impressive animals I wouldn't want to run into one of them or like a hippo, even like those things are just everything in Africa is scary. Everything wants to kill you. And what impresses me is, you know, a lot of people go over there with your broadheads and test over there and kill a lot of animals. And to take something like that and have the faith in a broadhead on animals that can legitimately kill you if you mess yeah. up is yep. pretty cool. Oh, yeah. We, you know, it's the gold standard of Africa broadheads is heavy single bevel. I mean, yep. that's that's the gold standard. And so when our veteran came out, you know, for years I've worked with a few PHs down there to do independent testing for me, the exact same stuff that Ashby does, right? But I'm an aluminum body mechanical, or I was my Atom broadhead, whatever it was, but now we focus on VIP and the, the two-blade and now the four-blade. I mean, our two-blade veteran impressed the pHs that were in South Africa and the mid Namibia and, and one in I, I forget what they call the country now, Zimbabwe or whatever. I don't know what they they change the name of them down there often, all the time. <laughs> but um, you know, when you get collective confirmation independently of pHs that go, I mean, this gentleman even said 
I have always mandated that my customers show up with single bevel, heavy, solid steel broadheads. Now I'm asking them to show up with your veterans. Please make them in all steel, 175 grain, because they still have laws that mandate overall arrow broadhead weight, right? For like hunting an elephant, you got to be minimum 800 grain, I think. So, no, uh, Cape Buffalo, I think, is 800 grain in Namibia. And elephant is a thousand plus, something like that. So we need a heavier broadheads to support keeping a, a decent FOC, right? And, and, um, structural integrity is without question when you're shooting a steel broadhead where, again, that's where I kind of take pride in VIP and the two things we do, no other company does is quality. We don't just use any old steel. Everybody uses the cheap steel for 16, 420, whatever, for blades and body, 413 maybe. I use 440C surgical steel for our bodies, and I rock well hard them, you know, 56 HRC. And um, our blades, nobody else uses the steel we use because I have to order it a year in advance, sometimes more than a year in advance. That steel, it's 440 surgical. It's, it is, allows us to have a customer shoot 18 animals with the combat veteran and it's still going. They've never resharpened it. They don't feel they have to because it's still hair shaven sharp. It's like that buffalo, right? That, uh, Josh shot. The veteran went through bones going in, through bones going out and all that thick hide and everything else. And he picked it up. It's still hair shaven, popping sharp. I mean, that's the difference in quality versus engineering for profits. So, so your 175 grain is uh, essentially the same body as the 125 and 100, but it is made completely of surgical steel, correct? Correct. Correct. For people that don't, didn't understand what we were saying there. So it's, yeah. it's completely different components per people in, in Africa, what they recommend them. Well, yeah. even if you want to shoot one here with or, one yeah, if you want to get completely Captain Insano here yeah. and, you know, put a howitzer through something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got, you know, I've got traditional shooters that were part of the request, right? The collective request for me to make a heavier broadhead. Um, because they do need a little more mass in motion off their slower velocity launching bows. So it's, it's pretty cool to have a guy with a longbow send his photograph and go, man, look at that. I shot that meal dude and that thing brought it, just dropped him within 20 yards. And, and it, even if I didn't see it fall over, man, the blood trail was like I've never experienced shooting traditional broadheads that have small entry exit wounds, small cut in the vitals. Even though they got the pass through, the animal still goes a long ways and it's hard to trail when you don't have any blood reaching the ground. So. They, they enjoy the benefits of the mechanical, but can still shoot them off the bad gear. Absolutely. Yeah. And your other newest product coming out is going to be the three blades. So you have the Gobbler Guillotine oh, revamped. Oh, that, that, ah, the three blade was supposed to be top secret. Oh, way to go, oh, Chuck. That's why we restarted you, Nip. I blew it. I blew it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Yeah, we are. Pipe, 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 pipe. <laughs> no, we are going to come out this year. Again, in limited quantities, the new three blade veteran. And that is in development right now. We've got prototypes. They're in the field, but I'm making refinements to the geometry, fit, finish, and all that fun stuff. So uh, is this a, you heard it first here then? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. We're breaking barriers. Yeah. Uh, I feel special now. Yeah. Um, it's good to so know yeah, people, I'm, right? I'm pretty stoked about three blade because I've been tinkering on it for about seven years off and on, and it is the most difficult engineering challenge on a broadhead I've, I've I've faced. And you know, again, thanks to COVID and me battling cancer, that got me locked down in the house. I got my engineering tablet out, and I got busy on that. Um, I solved the Rubik's cube of mechanics. Satisfied all the demands that I have placed on myself to, to apply to the broadhead. And those few that have seen it, uh, while before they were like, man, that combat veteran, that's the one. That's, that's, that just can't do any better than that. <laughs> and now they see the three blader, they're going, that's my Mona Lisa by far. That's, that's the pinnacle of broadhead engineering performance right there. 
I'm keeping my reservations. I'm still, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the edge. I still don't know if you can do it, if you can make it better than the combat. I guess I'm going to have to see it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm on the inside of that line. You haven't seen it. I have. Right. I'm telling you, it is. Look, I'm going to, I'm going to withhold the jury a little bit because I personally haven't put it through any animals yet. And I really like to get through all that before I start tooting a horn on, wow, this thing's the shit. But. You know what I love though, Matt? What I love about you and your company is you're, you're always working on something better and just making something happen. It's your, your company is kind of like the bow companies nowadays. It's like, wow, this bow's great. How could they make something better? And then they come out with another bow and it's like, wow, they changed this, this and that. Well, your broadheads, like innovative, the part in your name, innovative, it, you stand true and true to it. You never yeah. stop. Even like you said with the combat. You made the combat. It's amazing. You know, when we talked about it, when you started first started coming out with it, you're like, this is it. This is the broadhead that I've been looking for. This is the one. And then you never stopped. You never just sat back on it and no. said, okay, here it is, guys. Just make a whole bunch and we're going to stop here. You never stopped. You just kept going. Now you're working on a three blade. And like you said, your mind just never stops ticking. I, I love that about you. I love that about your company that you're always working even the new gen that you're coming out with the combat to make it a little bit beefier and better. I, I yep. love that, man. Yeah. Wait. And you know, again, I re-engineered the two blade veteran. It's, it's going to be better when I finally get to the point where I can release that I'm working on after the three blade, I have another broad I'm going to be coming out with to satisfy another global request for me to cover that area of broad ends. And then you mentioned bows. I'm not going to make a bow, but I've been, backburnered uh, an uh, engineering effort that I've had that, you know, I'll just say this. Right now, the world record at, at uh, 70 pounds, 30-inch draw length, speed-wise, is PSE holds it. Matthews is a couple feet per second slower, but 376 feet per second is considered the pinnacle of speed capable by a human pulling that bow way back. And the engineering dynamics that are involved in the modern compound bow. And I'm here to tell you, I'm very confident I can easily show all these engineers you're wrong. There's always room to improve. <laughs> and I'm going to do that. There's also other areas within the archery industry that uh, the current product lineup with all the competitors in that segment of the market, I, I the best way I can describe the mentality of the entire industry, and this is not the archery industry, but this is the one that we all love and participate in, they all predicate new product development off the same cow path of engineering thought and actions of the previous generation product line, right? I mean, look at, you, you mentioned bows. Mm-hmm. What's the difference in performance improvement of a bow one year to the next? I can tell you it's minuscule. Extremely, extremely minimal. Maybe a percent, a half a percent. Yet, wow, look at the money it generates, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And all that. Well, if I can step in there like I did with my momentum management broadheads and take a foundational change that delivered far superior overall, not just, not just in accuracy, not just in toughness like a one piece solid steel broadhead or all these other marketing things that are done to sell broadheads but actually the entire bandwidth of need of a broadhead we did it and we're still doing it we're still improving Uh, but the foundation was the momentum management that improved recovery rates where nobody else even talked about recovery rates they implied but they never looked at the facts and the facts recovery rates never varied more than two percent two and a half percent over a 20-year span they all stayed hovered above and below that same number and uh until us and now we shattered that number we way above it so that same sort of an engineering focus and creative mindset i have on quite a few other areas within the archery industry and then i've got folks that are after me to do the same sort of thing in the fishing industry, which I'm already working on some stuff with that, you know, for those that like to go fish. And so, and then I got folks, they want me to do some other stuff, you know, back in the consulting days type of stuff. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to work that hard anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
know if you're talking about fishing stuff, you're definitely on the right podcast here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm a, I, you know, it's funny. People ask me, oh man, you must love to bow hunt. Well, I do, but I'd rather go bass fishing. <laughs> You've definitely come to the right podcast. <laughs> Cindy and I, you know, with my health being what it is, and I don't know how much longer I can run the company because it's, it's a battle and it's, I'm, I'm kind of losing it, but we were like, well, if somebody buys the company, what are we going to do with some of that fun cash that might come in as a result of that signing of the line and transferring ownership? And <laughs> I told Cindy, first thing we're buying is a brand new bass boat. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so that'll nice be new Triton. Yeah, I'm not buying a Ferrari or any of that BS. I'm going to buy me a friggin' nice bass boat, all new fishing equipment, and uh, we're going to, we're going to hook up to the truck and we're going to go fishing around the nation and just chillax for a little bit. I was going to say, you're down in Texas. You got some hogs down there when it comes to bass fishing. Some well, if I get a boat and you want to come down, I used to be a, a bass fishing guide. Oh. I guided, shoot 200 plus days out of the year. It's a hobby business. So that give you an idea how much I like to fish. I guided Fork, Toledo Bend, Rayburn. Oh, All yeah. the lakes around Austin area. And then every summer when my daughter get out of school, pack up the truck, hook up the boat, we drag it up to Vermont. And I can, I, I would fish on Lake Champlain all summer long. Let's book the trip. <laughs> Sam, Sam Rayburn's on my bucket list to hit for oh, bass yeah. fishing. That, that's my favorite lake in Texas. Big so Sam Rayburn. Yeah. You come down and we're going to have us some fun. Oh man. Yeah. You'll catch. Big bass, but I know I'll put you on a school of those big damn three plus pound crappies. You'd be ruined. Oh, oh, oh nah. you are speaking our language. Yeah. I mean, I grew yeah. up on a little farm pond there. Where, you know, that's what we did with bass fish. And that's in our blood. Yeah. 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 I'm working on a foundational change. I used to be a competitive bass fisherman as well. I love to tournament fish. This is all uh, stuff I didn't know about you, Matt. I didn't, I mean, I knew picked up how, how big you were on fishing but i didn't know a lot about your past on fishing you know every time we talk it's always whitetail <laughs> yeah that's the thing you know i and like it, it's you just ask my wife what would i rather go do and she'd be like bass fish <laughs> so, i love that uh, yeah I, we're gonna if we if we get that bass boat here and we get some time off and We've already decided that we're just going to going to ease back into the bass fishing world by doing some of those big bass tournaments. Those are just a lot of fun. Heck yeah! Oh, absolutely. I mean, we we were in the tournament game for a minute here locally, but we just kind of fell out of it just because the people that run the local stuff it's it's crooked and it it'll piss you off if you get too involved in it and take it too seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. One of the last tournaments I was in, I won I won a bunch of money and. They had me go in a trailer, you know, a camper and sit down and they freaking hooked me up to a lie detector at a bass fishing yeah, tournament. Wow. Well, there <laughs> I was, was like, there was just that okay, guy I, down in from California. I can't remember his name, but they had a big thing about him and uh, he caught four different state records or something like that, three or four state records in California. And then they caught this guy snagging. I can't remember his name to save my life, but I mean, he was catching Mondo state records in California. I saw this. Yeah. And he was like winning tournaments, doing that like shady crap like that, like having fish, you know, hidden in the live well, crazy stuff like oh, that. I forget, I, I forget that guy's name, but there was, it was a big to do like last year, the story like dropped on this guy. Cause he was yeah. like one of the, you know, big names of like the local tournament kind of thing. And, you know, yeah. you had state there's records, always, obviously. There's, when there's money involved, there's always those people that will cheat, right? And then it ruins it for everybody. Yeah. Of course, of course, I didn't cheat. So I passed my detector test. They wrote me a nice fat check and oh, down yeah. the road we went. But <laughs> it just was like, I, that's something I didn't even think about or consider <laughs> until they escorted me in there. Right, yeah. strap that thing. Around. I was like, "You guys are kidding me!" They do that with a local hunting tournament. It's the uh, Quest Hunt Co. The top ten, if they feel your story or the story behind your deer is. Well, I think everybody had to do the polygraph. I'm pretty sure know. Tanner said at really? the top ten, every single person had to do okay. it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, wow. I thought it, it boiled down. Yeah, they they do it. I mean, now we're talking fifty thousand dollars in prizes. So yeah. I get it. I yeah, get it. They were giving away Traegers, side by side, yeah. brand new Matthews, VRXs, yeah. you know, crazy yeah. prizes. Yeah. Pretty impressive. 
it's a well yeah. hey speaking of, hey speaking of giveaways when you guys air this thing if you want to add a little thing at the end or the beginning or whatever if they like and share and all that for you guys to help your growth uh you're more than welcome to just randomly pick some winners from your podcast listeners just text me you have my number text me the the winners names and addresses and i'll i'll you know pick five winners i'll send out five individual packs of broadheads uh, so i'll let them all try the combat veteran if they want well you guys heard it here first we're gonna have to get on the socials here after this but you anybody listening right now you're hearing it first so yeah when we post this up we will put the rules on the post and follow the rules you got to give matt some love and you, you know, we'll, we'll definitely do that. We'll, we'll follow through. We're, we're greatly appreciative of it, Matt. I, yeah. They gotta, they gotta give you some love too. Now. Yeah. 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 I guess <laughs> it's not <laughs> easy though. <laughs> but you know, if they're, if they're listening to this and we're pretty fresh, you know, we always love to support you. You supported, you know, me and what I'm doing over at the White Tail Distraction and, and now with the Outcast. And like you said, you've yeah. always been very gracious, a good friend of mine. And I've always appreciated that. So that's, that's much appreciated, man. Look, we, we're, you know, we're family, right? We're VIP right. family and family takes care of family. And I'm, I'm more appreciative of and know the effort it takes to do what you guys do. You're here, you're on a Saturday. You're not out there fishing, which is probably what you would rather be doing. You're here working. <laughs> there's uh, ice on all the lakes up here. Yeah, so. there's, it's yeah. almost ice oh, fishing that, time, Matt. That's right. Yeah. We're real yeah. close. Yeah, I live in Texas, remember? It's like 70, 75 degrees out there right now. It's beautiful. It was so. six degrees this morning and we were actually, oh here, here's, here's a fun story because I got to, I got to bust jazz balls here. We were supposed to go <laughs> rabbit hunting this morning and yeah. I left work early two hours to make sure I got home on midnight to get a little extra sleep to wake up. And I'm going out to start my truck to warm it up and I get a text message. Hey, my dog, I can't take it out in this. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I Your believe, dog is the biggest weenie on earth. I believe the direct text was, does anybody really want to hunt rabbits in seven degrees? I was ready to go. I was ready to go. Hey, Jazz I- used his dog as the scapegoat. So I got to, <laughs> I got to bust his balls a little bit here. Yeah, that's good. Cause uh, when I was younger and I lived in Maine, I had a group of guys and we had a bunch of beagles, a bunch of six inch beagles. They were all, we'd chase rabbits at 30 below. Oh, now you just made me look like a big old pussy. Listen, Joe and Willow, <laughs> no, Joe and Willow were out hunting squirrels today. So, what's your excuse? Yeah, Willow is also like national champion. I would too. say <laughs> now, like if we would have waited, and I, I, I kind of wanted to do it. We probably should have, but we had a lot going on yeah, to get ready and stuff today. But we were, at, I mean, like ten o'clock on when it heated up to like twenty and plus. It was part like right now. The sun's out. Prime it time. is the best time to be there for for oh, rabbit. Yeah, those rabbits are going to be, they're going to be out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I miss rabbit hunting. We used to, we used to do a lot of snowshoe and cottontail hunting up there in Vermont, where I'm originally from, but also in the, up in Maine when I was stationed up there. And a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. We love small game hunting around yeah. here. It's, it's a really good time with buddies. I mean, if you're looking for hunting with buddies, that's about as good as it gets. I mean, turkey hunting's up there, I guess, but turkey hunting's probably my personal favorite. That's probably the top, but. Uh, rabbit hunting, squirrel hunting, with dogs. When you get the dogs involved, there's like a special extra element to hunting. Like you have yep. the connection with the animal, and then you have the connection with your buddies. So, oh yeah, that's why I like it. You know, trying to get my dog involved and trying to get him trained right now, being just you know a two year old pup. This is really his first season out, so we gotta we gotta hit it hard. Next weekend, we're in. Now you can't hunt on Sundays. Go figure in Pennsylvania. You know, our great state. Uh, so tomorrow would have been. Perfect. Yeah, it's about the same weather tomorrow, isn't yeah. it? Pretty much. Go they, they keep all that BS going on up there in Pennsylvania, and we got plenty of room here in Texas. Come on down. <laughs> we got freedoms down here. Well, I heard all the Californians are encroaching now. That's the new thing down there. Yeah, we've got a lot of big signs out on the highway that says, I saw this one. I love it. Yeah, don't be Californicate in our state. <laughs> don't make Texas California. <laughs> you left the damn place yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Keep Texas, Texas. And I was just going to say, we promise we come down. We ain't going to make Texas, Pennsylvania. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Yeah. We just get to the point. We just, you know, it's a big state. We got, you know, excavators. We'll just dig down 18 feet, bury your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will find you. I love it. Well, hey, uh, we got another call coming in here in a little bit, Matt. And I, I, 
I really, really appreciate you coming on, man. Last second, literally last second, awesome. just jumping on the phone with us. And I, I told Braden here, I said, listen, Matt, you got to understand. He's always told me, you ever want to chat, just call. And yeah, I, I'm I, glad I you- appreciate you guys giving VIP some love. And, and, uh, again, text me that address and name and I'll, I'll put some toys in the mail and define, uh, how many people there are and okay. weight preference each person wants. And we'll, we'll make some. We'll make okay. some fun happen. Oh, geez. You want to uh, be some videos coming here. I think I think we might have to do a little product testing of our own up here now. Yeah. See, hey, with, I, with this uh, no, platform, Navy, you're getting the wheels turning too much yeah. here. Yeah, I was in the Navy. I don't want that kind of video sent to me, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of cops up here, so uh, you might get something a little worse. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with your podcast, and um, I appreciate you thinking of VIP and, and giving us a little bit of, you know, spreading the brand out there a little bit. Absolutely. You, know, yeah, you, guys, need, you guys need anything, you know, just call me. It'll happen. You got Absolutely. it. You want to shout out where everybody can find you, um, your social yeah. media and your web website? Yep. You uh, Facebook, Veteran Innovative Products. Search that. You'll see us there. Um, heck, I don't know anything about Instagram. I do. It's, it's, I it's, the same. it's veteran IP on. There. Okay. Yep. That's our, that's our website, veteranip.com. You can find us there. Badass. To everybody else listening, thank you so much. If you're not already subscribed, go follow Matt, go follow us, give this video a like, download it on your pod, uh, podcast apps. I think we're on Podbean now. For Podbean, sure. Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, we're on Stitcher and a few other ones as well. So go buy some broadheads, go listen to us talk nonsense, and then, uh, yeah, <laughs> have a good old day, boys. That's right. You bet. Thanks All again, right. Matt. You betcha. Yep, Thanks, buddy. <laughs>